I have on the telephone from, uh, oh, first of all, happy Easter to all of you, to those who celebrate, and uh, happy wintertime again. You heard in the weather report, there's snow coming. Peter Nolan was one of the most distinguished television reporters in the history of this town. He's been out of the game for a while, but that doesn't mean he doesn't pay attention. It doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's talking about. He and I are going to be at uh, at the Cliff Dwellers on Wednesday to discuss Harold Washington's legacy. Pete's on the phone now. Pete, how warm is it down in Florida? I want you to make me feel bad. <laughs> well, I'd say it's in the, I don't know exactly, it's in the mid-80s, sunny. Part a little, little cloudy at Oh, times, a little cloudy. But, uh, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, well, I can't wait to see you in person. Little... I can't wait to see yeah. you in person on Wednesday. I'll, I'll give you people the details in a while. Yeah. But first, we're going to talk about one of the finest books ever written about Chicago politics. It's being reissued now in a handsome new edition. It is called Campaign, the election that rocked. Chicago. I have the feeling, Pete, and I'm going to ask you about this. I have the feeling that the next election for mayor of this city might rock Chicago, too. But that's for later in the program. You came here. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. No, I want your impression about that, because you have been even though you've been out of the your face has been off TV, but you that doesn't mean you don't observe. And you were always one of the most uh, astute observers of the uh, political scene. That Harold Washington campaign was unlike uh, anything, I think, tell me I'm wrong, in the history of this town, wasn't it? Not just that he was the first, became the first uh, African-American mayor, but for a number of reasons. Yes? Oh, yeah, it, it was. Uh, and, you know, it's funny. It, it came at a time uh, when... When I was thinking of getting out of the business, uh, I had been in the news for 25 years, I think it, and I, I said, and I wanted to write. I, I, I had a, I remember you, I wrote a play before I yeah, with left the, television, and, the, and then uh, yeah, fifty first word. Well, th- then um, when I was covering this campaign, I said, you know. If I get out of the business and slowed my life down a little bit, uh, I'd like to write about this thing because it is so incredible. I mean, it was just, there was one thing after another. And as you say, in the history, I don't know, uh, going back, uh, you know, 100 years, but uh, there, first of all, there had never been really a, a viable Republican candidate since the twenties, right? Since uh, named, uh, Big uh, Bill Thompson, Thompson. Yep. yeah. And so it, and it, it so you, then you had the, the the racial component at a, at a time when uh, you know there was quite a bit of uh, racism going on, um, and it, it just and you, you had the characters were oh. so uh, you had Jane Byrne, and of course Harold was uh, just. Uh, I just re- can hear his voice now uh, w- with the uh, and I wasn't there, but I looked at, at the, the uh, uh, some of the clips uh, the, of that we had of him uh, w- with a bullhorn uh, <laughs> yelling up to people at Cabrini Green, and he said, "Punch nine, yeah. nine is mine." That was his position on the ballot. 
uh, young guy, uh, uh, what's his name now? Uh, Joe Winston. Joe Winston d- documentary. He's, yep. Yeah, and he named it after that. Uh, it, I think it's coming out now. Or, it's uh, finished. It, it, it's I talked to Punch Nine. Yeah, it, yeah. I right. talked to one of the producers. I had drinks with him last week on Thursday. Oh, okay. And, and it's finished. It's about to start the. And it's taken Joe a long time because. You know, you know this better than anybody. What what people don't realize is to make a documentary uh, takes money. It's not just, you know, gathering old film clips and tossing it together. You have to have dough to do it. I can't wait to see that. I want to talk to you, Peter Nolan. The, the Channel 11 uh, recently aired a documentary as part of its Chicago Stories series about Jane Byrne. And that brought back so many uh strange memories to me one of which was i was standing in you'll love this uh the day of the primary against uh daily she's i'm standing in the uh, washroom of the old sometimes daily news building and i'm standing next to jay mcmullen who had married jane the year before and i said to him for your friends and colleagues at the Sun-Times, he was then doing some real estate. He'd been the Daily News City Hall reporter. And I said, Jay, uh, any any chance? And he, <laughs> he literally, Pete, started laughing, started laughing. He goes, oh, come on, Rick, no chance at all. But, man, it's been fun. Uh, later that day, uh, it turned out that Jane Byrne did win the Democratic primary and, uh, and uh, all but no one in the world peter nolan would remember who she ran against in that mayoral who what republican was sent to the guillotine in that whole thing i, I believe i believe his name was wallace chance you're exactly you are you are a, you and i are a handful of people who would know that given no chance whatsoever <laughs> uh, talk to me for a while pete because she is a huge part of uh of your book campaign the election that rocked chicago Jane was, in her way, I admired much of Jane, but once she got in City Hall, it was chaos, wasn't it? Well, it was. Uh, there was a lot of chaos. It was a great news ride. Yeah, no kidding. Because <laughs> she would, uh, you know, we were used to everybody at City Hall under the old daily organization, everybody dummy up. You'd run into uh, some guy in the hall. Nobody would talk to you. Jane Byrne was the mayor. And she's making policy walking down the hall and then and giving a Hugh Hill a Channel 7 a scoop. And then by the time he's got it on the air, she's changed it. That's she's a great section. Else. That's a great and section I, of your book, yeah. And then she'd be firing people uh, as uh, uh, Dick Sicconi, I think, wrote in the foreword of my book that a lot of the, the media uh, didn't get a chance to uh, interview some of her new appointees. Because they were fired uh, by, by <laughs> after two weeks, she fired the superintendent of police, uh, Joe DeLeonardo. Nardi. Sure, yeah, did, yeah. Did you? You knew, of course, and and what what doesn't really appear much in this documentary, Channel Eleven aired about her, was. Uh, Jay McMullen, who you had known for some time before he moved sure. into the city hall, one of the great uh, characters in the history of Chicago journalism, don't you think? Oh yeah, he <laughs> was. He was the guy that uh, he had a line: uh, "You can't be around uh, city hall 
very long without getting hit by uh, some falling corruption. Uh, he, yeah, he also um, he was quite the ladies' man before he. Oh yes, he was. And and uh, he they were. Uh, I don't know if somebody wrote something in the paper or he, he that he was uh, leaving City Hall. He was in the press room. Uh, and not coming back, uh, somebody at the at the Daily News complained, and uh, he said he he's running out with gals, and he got he, he was over at the I think it was the executive. It house was the across, executive house across, and he, and he appeared uh, uh, bare uh, bare uh, chested out on the balcony and called the city dust. I know. I, re- I remember that look. distinctly. He also, one of his great lines, Peter Nolan, I think it was in an Esquire magazine piece, he said, you know, I don't worry about my job. I can roll over in bed in the morning and scoop the Tribune, meaning that he was in bed with someone who would give him stuff. I am on the phone with uh, Peter Nolan, my friend, uh, the great collaborator with Mike Houlihan on a number of different ventures, including the 51st Ward. He and I will be at uh, at the Cliff Dwellers Club this Wednesday. Cocktails at 6. Pete and I talking at 7. It's at 200 South Michigan. It's an amazing room, the 24th floor. 22nd floor penthouse there is no charge for this you will have to pay for drinks if you want them and i would recommend having them uh we'll be there again cocktails at six presentation at seven uh we got to take a little break one cocktail can i have one cocktail you can i'll buy you as many cocktails as you want my friend as many (laughs) as you want just one i'll be i don't want to you know embarrass the show you know (laughs) well I'm, i'm hoping there'll be most of the people there will be old reporters and or people who like old reporters we got to take a break now, but Pete's going to stay on for uh, quite some more time talking about his uh, wonderful book campaign. It's the election that rocks Chicago. We'll talk about some of the other uh, people in that election. I am on the phone with my pal, uh, Peter Nolan. You know him and knew him from television. What people sometimes forget about you, Pete, is you gave, in the good old days when television stations did this, you did... uh, commentaries you delivered nightly commentaries on the 10 o'clock news on channel 5 from you know roughly 78 to 81 Uh, i think that's sad that television no longer does that uh it's a lot of too much happy talk for my taste you got to chicago uh peter nolan on april 1st 1968 Three days before the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. made the West Side explode. Uh, yes. you, you, were, you had come, you were originally from Buffalo, New York, and you had come from other stations. Chicago in those days, Pete, was, was with almost without argument, the, the best news town in the country. Uh, the most stories, the most strife, if you will, the most interesting political characters. It, it was a a gold mine for a reporter, wasn't it? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, w- one of the things I got hired uh, uh, as a summer replacement writer, and I brought my wife and three little kids oh. with me. I took a chance, and 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 they Bill Corley was the news director, and he wrote me a letter saying we can't guarantee any but it looks like we're expanding and you'll have a permanent job <laughs> well my god it was the you know dr king's assassination you had bobby kennedy in june you had the democratic, democratic convention, convention. You, you had uh, rioting uh 
I spent a lot of time in the uh, editing room, look screening uh, film. I, I got to do a pretty good imitation of Richard J. Daly. I, I saw him so much on, on film before I ever saw him in person. The following year, I became a street reporter. But, yeah, it, it, Chicago was uh, unbelievable. I'm sure a lot of other cities had stuff going on. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the commentary. Uh, right. I did that. What, that was, uh, I, I did, uh, that, that was really a lot of fun. It was hard to do, I, I, you know, uh, to, to come up with something clever every day. And uh, I, I got a lot of, um, I, I felt uh uh, admiration for newspaper columnists. Yeah, you know, like Royko coming up. He used to yeah. do something every day, five days. And I, 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 I did something, you know, but it was only like a minute and ten seconds. I uh-huh. But uh, one of the great things, one of the things that your book and I reread it. It's called "Campaign: The Election That Rocked Chicago." Was I had forgotten that uh, you write in the book. Uh, you say that a lot of the uh, a lot of people in the business thought of Daly Richard J. Daly kind of as a buffoonish kind of character, and you write, "I saw Daly in a different light. He reminded me of my father. My father, Ralph W. Nolan, had died in 1948 when I was only eight years old, and most of my colleagues thought Daly was a bozo, but I liked him because he reminded me of my old man." Richard J. Daly was a man of many moods and faces. When you finally got to meet Daly face to face, you must have, you know, as I did, you must have admired him. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I certainly did. Uh, you know, we had to go. I was sent over to his news conferences, loaded with some tough questions. Sure, and, uh, and he. Uh, I remember uh, who was the guy uh, who later became uh, Ray. He was with the Chicago American, the city hall, and he he was kind of a pro daily. Some of these reporters were pro daily guys, and if we'd ask a question, usually it was TV people, mm. and he'd turn around and give us a dirty look. <laughs> but daily, uh, daily, you know, some people think he was. You know, evil man, and this, and he was a power, power guy, and so forth. And certainly, he had flaws, and uh, and but he also had a, a softness about him. He, he was quick to get a tear in his eye. Uh, he, he, and another thing that impressed me is we'd be up there waiting for him, and. Uh, in the ante room outside the mayor's office, and these his sons would come up, and they were young guys. And, and the first thing he'd do is give them a hug, and yeah. And so he and he also, you know, he he not that this means he's a saint or anything, but that impressed me. He used to go to daily mass. I know uh, at St. Peter's in the Loop. Yeah. Uh, now this this doesn't uh, get him off. Of, he certainly did some powerful stuff that some of the things that were not good. Uh, no question. But, I mean, he made mistakes. There's no question about that. Uh, but I kind of like, I everybody in the newsroom was always 
bad rapping. But that was our job. That was our job was to yeah, because you know, look, we in the news yeah. business are are meant to be a bunch of cynics, you know, and we you know, and to look at power with a with a you know sort of cross eyed. What did you think? Did you like you know one of the the things about your book? It reminds me in so many ways about how unbelievably likable. Harold Washington was. I mean, charismatic, I think, is the word, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. He was, uh, you know, he he had that deep, baritone voice. He also had a wonderful command of the language. Yep. Uh, one of the things that, and I interviewed a lot of uh, African-American leaders, including the Supreme Court Justice Charles Freeman and um, Ray Ewell, who was a state rep, and and they indicated that, you know, the Chicago's black community pretty much went with the machine. Sure. Uh, but they were people that had jobs. And the, and the, the, the larger community never really had somebody to vote for. Yep. Except when this guy, this phenomenal uh, guy uh, with, with a tremendous executive presence. Sure. With a deep voice and powerful. Uh, th- 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 there was a huge movement in the community, and uh, and I think uh, that was incredible. Well, the, one of the things I, you, you've updated the book, and and uh, you, you remember that the day Harold Washington died, you watched you were home and you watched it all on television. Uh, Campaign is just a remarkably good book. Uh, the election that rocked Chicago. A lot of people have written about that. Uh, incredible election, Daly, Byrne, and uh, Harold Washington, and then the incredible. When we come back, uh, Pete, if you can hang on through the news, I'll just keep you for a few minutes after that, and I want to talk about sure. Bernie Epton, because that Bernie I, Epton, I, yeah. I want to save much of our conversation for this Wednesday at Come at 6 o'clock for the cocktail hour. You will watch Pete Nolan and Rick Kogan have a drink. Then we will start talking, if we are able, at 7 o'clock. And it, it's free, free to the public, at the Cliff Dwellers on the top of 200 South Michigan. We will be back uh, after the news. Don't want to blow the conversation between me, Rick Kogan, and Peter Nolan, because we'll be continuing this Wednesday Starting at 6 o'clock with cocktails, you can watch me and Pete have a cocktail, and then you will be able to listen to us as best we can talk from 7 to 8 at the Cliff Dwellers Club. It's an amazing space on top of the building at 200 South Michigan. It is free, except you have to pay for your drinks. I'm going to wait and ask Pete about Lori Lightfoot uh, that day, Wednesday. Uh, Now I want to spend two minutes talking to him about and thanks again for coming on pete i know it's difficult when it's 85 degrees outside in florida to come and sit inside and be on the radio uh bernie epton is a. what did you think of him i think people now think of him as a racist and just a cliche because you know that campaign slogan epton before it's too late uh has lingered what did you think of him as a man and a candidate he was a good man. Yeah. Uh, he, he was, a, and, and he was. The, the, the bad thing about the candidacy was uh, was that slogan. Yeah, and you know this was uh, concocted by some uh, of these uh, consultants out of town. Consult- come into town, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and they uh, and they think they know everything that, that there is to know about uh, the locale. 
and they came up with this thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, he went along with it. Yeah. His daughter, um, his daughter was very concerned about it. And, sure. Uh, but he decided to go with it. Uh, he was he was concerned about for, for him. He said uh, Harold had some questions about uh, financial, but <laughs> you know because he had had, had, had some uh, income tax income troubles, taxes, yeah. and he had some other things in his history that he he got by and and so forth. But Bernie Epton was no more a racist. He he was a Republican, a liberal Republican from. Uh, Hyde Park. Yeah, uh, yeah. His kid, that was the only in his. He was a World War II veteran, and he that was the only neighborhood in Chicago that was integrated. Mm-hmm. And he, his kids went to uh, public schools. Yeah, uh, integrated schools. <laughs> uh, he gave. He he was he supported all um, civil rights issues when he was in the legislature. Yep. He yep. and he and Harold. Uh, had been friends uh, yeah. in the legislature. He also contributed to many, many African American causes, and uh, yeah, because he was a wealthy of... man, so he got uh, his. Uh, that that was the thing that hurt him the most. Yeah, no question. After uh, till he died, uh, was that he was labeled a, a racist, racist that and that too. was the farthest thing from the truth. But, it is so great, know. Pete, to talk to you anytime. Uh, we're going to do this again uh, Wednesday at the Cliff Dwellers Club, which is at 200 South Michigan. There's no price of admission. Uh, there are free appetizers. You do have to pay for drinks, and I will buy Pete uh, one or two or three or however many drinks he wants. I've got I can't... a couple of people that will do that. <laughs> a couple of my sons. Good. I can't <laughs> wait to see them and you, Pete. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. I'll see you Wednesday. Thank you. Okay, take care.